Amen. Amen. If you're uh, thankful that we had Mark here today, this morning, to help lead us in worship, and you're thankful for his ministry and the ministry of the team, can we just give him a hand? Man, what a blessing. What a blessing. It's good to be in the house of the Lord with you guys today. Um, and just as we are going to continue our series, Daily Pursuits. Um, and so if you have your Bibles, if you want to open up to Judges uh, chapter 6, um, that's the Old Testament just right after Joshua. That's where we're going to be today. Um, and we've been in this series, Daily Pursuits, talking about growing in our faith and walking with Jesus daily, pursuing him daily. And so as we sang this morning, the pursuit begins with Jesus pursuing us, right? That's, that's the gospel. I mean, he came for us before we deserved it. You know, many, many, fav- many people's favorite verse is that John 3, 16. It starts like this, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. This was a rescue mission. I mean, he came, he saw us, and he came after us. He pursued us, and when we have, he found us. Like, can you remember that moment when he found you? Maybe that's never happened in your life. If it hasn't, there's gonna be an opportunity today for you to open up because I can tell you he's pursuing you even now. I believe that part of the way he pursues us would be even be us being here today, hearing from him. He speaks to us, but he sought after us. But what happens is as he, as he found us, we gave our life to him, we begin to pursue him. And there's this dual pursuit. We have a God who's revealed himself to us and sought after us, but who also wants to be found by us. And see, he gives us promises in his word like Jeremiah 29, 13 that says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. And so God, while he's revealed himself to us, when we get into relationship with us, he wants us to pursue him daily. And, and that's what we've been talking about this, in this series, pursuing more of Jesus. And so a couple weeks ago, we began and we talked about pursuing more of his voice in our ears. So that's learning how to hear God better, pursuing his voice of all the voices that we hear, that are, I mean, we're just surrounded by, whatever it may be, taking that time, setting it aside to pursue more of God's voice in our ear. And then last week we talked about pursuing more of his death in our lives. And remember we talked about that, that's dying to sin, that's dying to self, being set free from those things so that we can live fully for God. So as we submit to God and as we co- commit to following and seeking after him, after him we're also going to need more of his courage in our convictions. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Pursuing more of his courage in our convictions. And so we talked about conviction. Uh, Pastor Brian did a couple weeks ago. But I just want to start off again, just in case you're not familiar with the word. What is conviction? Let's start there. What is conviction? Well, conviction, simply, it, it's being convinced of something. As Christians, when we talk about conviction, a lot of times what we talk about is when a person first came to know Christ. We talk about, and maybe you've heard this phrase, I was convicted of my sin. I I, I felt conviction. And and what, what it means is simply this. There were things in my life that God revealed to me that these things are sinful, whether it was through his word, whether it was through a preacher, whether it was through his spirit. He revealed to me that these things, they've come between us. And God, I, I'm convicted. And so, I mean, sometimes, some of us, maybe, we even felt a weight from that, right? I mean, we felt the weight of our sin. And we call that conviction, and we felt that press, and we could come 
Jesus invites us to come with that. He, see, he doesn't convict us so we feel guilty, but he convicted us. We felt that conviction so we could come and surrender it to Jesus, who died so that we didn't have to stand condemned before the Lord. See, we were convicted. I mean, we know what convicted means in a court, right? If you're convicted, you're guilty. And we stood guilty. We felt that conviction. But Jesus died in our place, right? Just like we sang. He bought our pardon so that even though we were convicted, God forgave us because of what Jesus did for us. That's the gospel message. And, and that's what we often talk about conviction is conviction of sin. But that's only one part of conviction. That's only one part of conviction. Yes, we should be convicted when we have sinned and when we've done things wrong. God will help show us that. But conviction can also, I, I want to point out, it it's also can be for positive things. Right? So it's not just always a negative thing. Like, I was convicted because I did this and it was wrong. But it can be convicted in a positive way. Maybe you've heard someone share a testimony like this. You know, I was just impressed that I needed to talk to this person and pray for them. So I went and talked to him. I went out of my way to talk to this person. And when I said, hey, how are you doing? Can I pray for you? I, I just felt like I needed to give you a call. That person, all of a sudden, you had no idea what God was working, but you felt convicted that I needed to talk to this person. And who knew God was preparing them for that very moment. I, I, there was once a, a girl in my youth group, and she had struggled with an eating disorder for years. And she had she'd given that up to the Lord and asked for his help and asked for his help and asked for his help. And, and she was making great progress, great progress. And one morning, I, I just felt conviction that I should send her a text and just say, I know it's been hard, but you're gonna make it. I'm praying for you. I don't remember exactly what I said, but it was something just to encourage her because we'd prayed together as a group. And she texted me back. She said, Travis, that's exactly what I needed to, do, to hear you had no idea where I was just heading to go. She, she, the first thing she sent back, she said, how did you know that? Well, I didn't know that. I had no idea. But I was just trying to live by conviction. And see, God's going to give you convictions as well. And so there's some convictions that are universal, right? When we read the scripture and it talks about sin, and it talks about making disciples. And, and, and it talks about loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Loving our neighbor as ourselves. These things are universal. This is for every believer that we, we ought to feel the weight of these convictions and, and live them out. But it's not a heavy weight. Remember, Jesus said his yoke is easy and his burden is light. It's a joy because we're in this love relationship with him. It's a joy to live out the convictions that he's given us. But there's some universal ones. But then there's some personal ones, right? Just like I shared about that one with my friend. Here's another one. I, I just heard this this last week. We were at um, a, a conference with pastors. It was really a training session. And one of our uh, district superintendents, so someone who works with, he's over several pastors in an area, he shared a story about a personal conviction of his that had he not listened, it could have changed his whole world. L let me just share this, this short story. So it was late at night. He was a pastor. This was years ago. So he wasn't a DS at the time. He was a pastor. And he had a friend um, that he just really felt the Lord laid on his heart that he needed to go visit this friend. If you've ever had the Lord lay something on your heart, would you say amen? He laid something on your heart. It's not like you read the verse that said, go visit Tim. Okay, but God laid it on his heart and he knew it was from the Lord. 
And as we pursue more of God's voice in our ear, and we pursue more of his death in our life, as we, as we seek to hear God more and die out to self, we're gonna hear from God, we're gonna sense these convictions more and more and more. It's gonna increase. And so that's what happened for him. He, he just felt that I need to go see my friend. The only problem was it was midnight, and his friend lived six hours away. I mean, can, can we just say this seems like a crazy conviction? Why would he feel the need to do it? And so he tried to put it off. Who's ever, if you've ever tried to, felt a conviction, you felt a burden, you tried to put it off, say amen. Amen, right? But it didn't go away. It just got heavier and heavier and heavier. So then one o'clock in the morning rolls around, and he says, I, I have to go. He tells his wife, he says, I know you're going to think I'm crazy, but I gotta go visit my friend. I got I gotta go meet him. I, she's like, well, what do you? It's it's the middle of the night. And he says, I don't know. I'm gonna get there when he wakes up. I have no idea why I need to go, but I need to go. And so, sure enough, he gets up and he leaves. He's driving down. He's probably thinking in his car, just like you and I. This is crazy. What am I doing? But the Lord said, go. I'm gonna go. I, I, I he couldn't shake it. Well, just a couple hours down the road, something happened. His car caught on fire. And it wasn't just a small fire. It, it engulfed the whole car in a matter of minutes. It, it, was, it didn't take long at all it said, until he got out of the car and he just watched it get engulfed in flames. He, he didn't have time to get his stuff out, just grabbed his bag, got out of there because his car got engulfed in flames. And you know, at first, he must have wondered, can we all wonder, God, why did you send me out at the middle of the night so that my car could burn up and I could be stranded here at two or three in the morning in the middle of nowhere? I have no way to get home. But then the Lord brought to mind that in just the very next day, so not that morning, but the, the following morning, his wife was going to strap up the three children they had living with them in car seats in the back seat and they were gonna be taking a long drive to go see her family. And he said, with how fast that car engulfed in flames, there's no way you can get three kids in car seats out. There was no way. And he said, immediately the burden to go see his friend was gone, and God revealed this was to save, this was to preserve their lives. And, and he, I'm sure, I mean, and he shared, he went to bed so thankful that God gave him that conviction and he followed it. I'm telling you, not every conviction we feel is gonna be that big, but I do believe God is gonna give you and I different convictions that are meant to preserve life, whether it be spiritually or whether it be actually, like in this case, but God wants to use us in, in a powerful way like that. So, so we hear a little bit about what conviction is, but why do we need it so bad? Why do we need conviction? Well, the first thing is, is this. If you want to become the man or woman that God is calling you to be, you're going to need conviction. You're going to need it. I need it. I need it every day. If I, want, if I want to become the person God's calling me to be, I'll never be able to get there without conviction. Because in a lot of ways, conviction is like a light. Okay? It's like a light. It illuminates things. So something you couldn't see before, you can now see because a light's been shown on it, right? We, we understand what, what that means. So I'll give you an example. I, one thing I enjoy to do is hunt. And I had what I thought was a pretty decent flashlight. Nothing great, but I thought it was okay. And one, I went out with my dad, and I, I shot a deer. And we get down, and I've got my flashlight. And I'm beginning to think after about 10, 15 minutes that... I didn't hit this deer very good. 
because there's not much of a trail. Any hunters in the room, you know, you, you, you gotta find a good trail if you're looking for a deer. You need, you need to have a good trail. And so I'm looking, and there's, there's almost no trail at all. And uh, I, I, we're going in circles. We keep getting stopped at the same point. We keep going back around. And, and I saw where the deer had ran, but I just, I can't find it. It's pitch black outside. And, and my dad says, why don't we go get a better light? Dads, they're so smart. Why don't we go get a better light? And he comes out with this like mega lantern thing. And he brings this thing out. And, and, and we go right to where we had left off. And let me tell you, there was a great trail. I just didn't have the light to see it. There was a great trail. All of a sudden, I was seeing things I hadn't seen before. I mean, just little subtle things. I never had noticed them before when we were tracking, but it was obvious. And in a matter of about 10 minutes, we tracked all the way to the deer, found it, and and it was easy because I had a good light. And see, this is what Jesus does in our lives, right? Like before I invited Jesus into my life, I'll be honest, before I felt that first convic- conviction, I mean, I, I thought I was pretty good in some ways. But when God shined his light, whenever I had given a service, I wasn't living for the Lord, and the word was being preached, I felt that conviction because the light shone and it began to reveal some things in me that needed to change. And that light, it shines so bright that I knew, like, either I need to get out of the light because it it's almost hurts because there's so, much, there's so much that needs to change, or I need to walk in the light as he is in the light, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us, cleanses me from all my sin. See, that's, that's really, that's a lot of what sanctification is. It's walking in the light as Jesus, as he is in the light, and he's going to continually reveal something. He says, Travis, you're, you're walking with me, but here's an area of your life. This needs, there needs to be a little bit of a change here. You didn't see it. You didn't see it, but as you walk with me, the light continues to grow, and you begin to see some things you never saw before. And you know, he still does that. But you know what else? When I go places, because well, Jesus is walking with me and he's a light, I begin to see other people that way. Not in a way like they need to fix themselves, but in a way of, of saying, man, I could reach out to that person. I could encourage them. God begins to lead me and give me steps to follow because he wants me to become more like him. And see, this is the thing about conviction. Conviction isn't just so we can sense our sins and become a Christian. But we need conviction so that we can continue to become Christ-like, which is the call of every believer. He wants to save us, but he also wants to transform us and make us more like Jesus. So how does conviction work? How does, how does this work? We're going to pick up on a, a story in Judges 6. We're going to be uh, talking about Gideon. And I'm just going to give you a real quick recap about where we are before we jump into the passage. But Gideon was an Israelite who lived in a time of serious problems. Israel was in the promised land, but the blessings God had promised them were nowhere to be seen. So God promised them a land, the Israelites, but he also promised to bless them in the land. But these blessings were all gone. See, where we're going to pick up, Gideon or Israel, I'm sorry, is at, towards the end of a seven-year period of being oppressed by the Midianites. And what the Midianites would do, they would come in, and they would come in a, in a huge horde, and they would come at harvest time, and they would take everything. 
that Israel had, all their food, all their livestock. So if you were an Israelite, you either hid your food or you tried to get rid of it because anything they found they were gonna take and they would come in these great hordes and, and they, they would come in on camels and so like, you wouldn't be able to respond quick enough, you wouldn't be able to muster up a defense. They'd come, they'd camp, they'd hit you, they'd take everything, they'd leave. And so it was a time of serious trouble and that, that's where we're picking up in this story. But remember, it. This didn't just happen by chance. See, because remember, God had promised them the land. God had promised them blessing. So the question is, is God's promise not true to them? No, God's promise was true, but God's allowed this to happen because Israel broke their covenant with God. See, God says, you serve me, serve me, with, give me your life, and I will protect you, I will bless you, I will watch over you. But they turned away. They began serving some of the other gods that the nations around them served. And so God, instead of keeping his hands down and blocking anything that happened to him, he took his hands off. He allowed it to happen. And in fact, they began to cry out to them. And God said, listen, this is why it happened. But instead of saying, you know what, I'm done with you guys, God reaches out to them, and we're gonna hear about how he does that through a man named Gideon. So we're gonna pick up at verse 11, okay? Chapter, Judges chapter six, verse 11. Here's what it says. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abysrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders um, that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. So as we read this story, we, we hear this conversation between Gideon and God. And really, it's a story of how God's gonna work in his life, but it, it's really, in a lot of ways, I'm telling you, it's a story about conviction and then the courage needed to live those out. So the first thing that God will do when, when, when he's working in our lives and bringing this conviction, the first thing God's gonna do, he's gonna meet us where we are. God will meet you where you are. Now I wanna point out just Gideon wasn't at the altar when he met with the Lord, was he? Gideon, as we're gonna uh, find out a little bit later, his own family had set up idols to other gods in the, in the town. His family had idols to other gods that they were serving in the town. Gideon, while he did believe in the Lord some, he didn't really trust him wholly, right? But God met him where he was. Let's talk about where he was, verse 11. It says this, when the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak, and we'll skip that, but where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. First thing is Gideon was afraid, right? 
Gideon was afraid. He's hiding. He's in a wine press threshing out wheat because he's hiding. He's doing the smart thing so he can keep his, to keep as much of his food as possible because he knows if the Midianites come and they find any wheat, they're going to take it. So he's in hiding. He's afraid. Second, Gideon was doubting God. He doubted God's goodness. He doubted that God was with him. He doubted if God cared. I mean, look at verse 13. He says, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? I mean, where's all his wonders that our, that our ancestors told us about when they said, didn't the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. I mean, he's being pretty clear. He highly doubts that either God cares or that he's with us. He says he's abandoned us. He says, we hear, we hear all these stories about how God used to do these things, about how he, you know, delivered the Israelites from Egypt, about how he split the Red Sea. I mean, and, and at this point, he's probably questioning whether or not that's all real. I mean, did God really do that? Because where is he now? I mean, we hear about it, but where is he now? He's doubting God. But also, Gideon was doubting himself, right? Verse 15, he says, pardon me, my Lord, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. So God's coming. He's saying, hey, I'm going to save you, and I'm going to use you, and you're going to be this mighty warrior. And Gideon, he doubts everything that God says. He's afraid. He doubts himself. He doubts God. But God still came in that place and met with Gideon, and he's calling him to something better. He's calling him forth. And I don't know where you are today. I, I, I know Gideon reached some points in his life where he had some mountaintop experiences with God. But this is the wine press experience with God. This is the, I'm in hiding, I'm afraid, I don't know if God still cares, I, I don't know what's going on, my life's full of sin, and God meets with him. Where are you today? See, God's story in any of our lives, it can start at any moment. Perhaps, maybe some of you have heard that song by Casting Crowns, One Step Away. It says, you're one step away from surrender. You're one step away from letting go. Wherever you are, whether you're at the mountaintop or whether you're at a place where you wonder if God is even real. You've got doubts. You've got serious questions. I want to tell you, God hasn't given up on you. Maybe there's sin in your life. Maybe there's some things and you felt conviction before and you haven't responded. Can I remind you, God can meet you right where you are and you're one step away. You're one step away. God will meet you where you are. But second, God will reveal who you're called to be. Now before I dig too much into this point, I just want to tell you, you're probably not going to pray and get your life planned, Right? I mean, Gideon, he finds out some things that are going to happen. You're probably not going to find out your life plan the first time you meet with God. But God will begin to show you the man or the woman he's calling you to be. He will do that. He'll meet you where you are, where you are, but he'll show you who you're called to be. See, God called Gideon a mighty warrior. Let's look at verse 12 again. It says, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, where is Gideon at this time? hiding. He's not a mighty warrior at this time. He's in hiding. He, he hasn't become what God said he's going to be, but God says, 
This is who you really are. See, we, we live in a culture that tries to redefine us. We find our identity in so many other things. People say, oh, th- this is who you are based upon who you're attracted to or based, based upon what habits you have or based upon what you, this is who you are. And we, it tries to give us these identities, but God can tell you who you really are. God can tell you who you're called to be. He can reveal that to you even before you're that person. And see, that's what he does for Gideon. Gideon's afraid and doubts God, but he says, God says the exact opposite. He says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Then God commissioned Gideon to save Israel. He gives him a commission. Look at verse 14. He says, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? So before Gideon's done anything, God's already giving him a new identity and giving him a new mission. Before he's done anything, God is revealing to him who he's gonna be. God also said, I will be with you. Look at uh, verse 16. The Lord answered, I'll be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. All of this happens in this same moment. And I, I wanna point out, up to this point, Gideon hasn't yet put his faith in God, hasn't yet committed to following God, hasn't repented or turned from his sin, but God, as a part of the conviction that he's working in the life of Gideon, he says, listen, I'll meet you where you are, and I'm gonna show you who you're called to be. See, God has got a plan for everybody in this room. He's got a plan, and he hasn't forgotten it for you. He made you for a purpose. And he'll remind you of that when you have these times. Maybe you've been far from God, but God can come in, and he can remind you or show you who you're really called to be. But let me tell you, there's a third step. See, the next thing God's going to do, he's going to show you what's in the way. This is where sometimes the weight of that conviction comes in. Maybe not, depending on what it is. But see, he says, I'll meet you where I am. I'll meet you where you are. I'll show you who you're called to be, who you're gonna be. But there's some things in the way that have to change for you to get from where you are to where I'm calling you to be. If there wasn't anything in the way or anything that needed to change, you'd already be there. I'd already be there, right? And I want to tell you, this process doesn't end when you give your life to Christ. God continues to help us grow. That's why we're talking about this is a daily pursuit. See, who you are in Christ, God, he's worked in you, and, you and, and we don't want to live in the past, though, because God still has a future plan for you. He still is working in you, still can work through you. And so this continues. He continues revealing who we're called to be, and he'll show us things that are in the way. Are you thankful God shows you things that are in the way? Amen. Sometimes it's a little difficult, right? But this is how he helps shape us and make us into the men and women we're called to be. Let's jump down to verse 25 together, okay? 25 through 27, we're gonna read. That same night, the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal, and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this strong place. 
Set the stones in the right way. Then take a second bowl and give a burnt gift. Use the wood of the tree of the false goddess Asherah, which you cut down. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather in the daytime. Now I want to show you here. God, he met him where he was. He told him, he, he told him this is who I'm calling you to be. But it didn't take long for him to say, here's what's in the way. What did it say? That same night, that very same day, God had a message for Gideon. And here it is. Listen, you've got this altar. You've got this altar to Baal, and you've got this Asherah pole. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to tear it all down. I want you to take the Asherah pole, cut it up, build me an altar, take the wood from this Asherah pole you're using to worship other gods, burn it, and use it as the wood for a burnt offering to me. And, and now his whole family, they, they all live in this group here, and the townspeople, probably a whole group of his kin, they all live together in this area, and God says, I want you to go to the center of the town, tear all this down, and burn this to me, because you're making a statement. We're not gonna do this anymore. And he was afraid. Gideon was afraid. How's, how's his family gonna respond? I mean, they could very well kill him, and we're not gonna read about it, but some of his family actually did want to do that. Some of the people in the town actually did want to kill him for the thing that he did. This is a, this is a difficult call. But Gideon, I wanna tell you right now, Gideon's story, all the things about God showing him, meeting him where he was, and showing him who he's gonna be, his story would have come to an end, or at least a temporary halt, until he decides to actually have the courage to live out his conviction. See, he had this conviction from God. He knew he had to do it. And so he goes out at night and he does it. So I, I want to point out just kind of three things from this little passage here that I think apply to all of us when it comes to conviction. Because when God's calling us somewhere, he's calling us to go deeper the first thing that when conviction comes, and it definitely as a new Christian, if you've never began walking with Christ, the very probably first conviction you're gonna sense is what needs to end. What needs to end for you to become the person God is calling you to be? For him, it was this idol worship. This idol worship in the town had to end. So that's what it talks about in verse 25. He says, take the bull, tear it down. I want you to tear all this down, this false God you're worshiping. But you know, in my own life, when I first came to God, in fact, it held me back for a little bit because I knew that God was calling me. Now, I didn't know he was calling me to be a pastor. Remember how I said it grew? But I knew he was calling me to give my life to him. But there were a couple things, just a couple I just really didn't want to let go of. They were hard. They're the, they're the things that are hard to let go of. And God shined the light on that. See, for Gideon, it was go into the middle of the town and do this. Maybe, maybe it wasn't so hard for him to tear him down. Maybe he was ready to serve God. But it probably was hard for him to say, I'm going to lose the status among my friends and family that I once had. That makes it hard. Maybe for us, it's like, man, if I really was going to follow God, I'd have to end Whatever this sin is, whatever's going on in my life, I'd have to end this sin. And if I did that, it's gonna impact my relationship. 
I mean, we, we talked about it last week. You know, Pastor Brian talked about putting sin to death. And when we do that, there's so many good things that God can work. But you know what? There's a, there, a lot of times there's an initial pain when we have to put something to death, including our own selves, right? When we die to self. So the first question is, what needs to end? Five years from now, three years from now, if God's be, like, showed you, like, this is who I'm calling you to be, what needs to end so you can become that? And it's not always some grievous sin. It's not always some, some sin that I'm holding on to and I say, God, you can't have it. Sometimes it's just, I, I'm, in, I'm doing something that's just taking too much of my time. Or, or, or maybe, maybe it's, I, I've gotten so wrapped up in this hobby or I've got so wrapped up in this sport or whatever it may be that you know what, my time with God, I'm sacrificing. I know God's calling me to use my gifts for him and I, and I know that he's given me the gift of teaching but I don't spend enough time in the word because I'm doing so many other things so what needs to end so that I can begin doing the things that God is calling me to do so I can be the person he's calling me to be? What needs to end? Then conviction will shine that light on it. God will shine that light on that for us. But then the next question is, what needs to begin? What do we need to start doing? And see, verse 26, he, he doesn't just tear down the old altar and end that form of idol worship that was going on, but he begins a new worship, right worship, proper worship to the Lord. He builds an altar. He offers a sacrifice. He begins serving God the way he's called to do it. And so God's gonna, if we're gonna change and become the people God's called us to be, some things will have to end. Some things will have to start. And, and you know, I have some examples here for us. Two series ago, I just wanna give you a picture of how this works, make sure we're all tracking together. Two series ago, we talked about prayer. I know that God was speaking to us during those services. He spoke to me. Maybe someone in this room said, I'm gonna make a commitment to my prayer life. Maybe, maybe I'd slack, maybe there's some things. God showed me that he wants me to be a man or a woman of prayer. Okay, I've let it get on the back burner. It's time to start praying again. And so God spoke to you, and maybe you even began to see yourself getting up in the morning, spending time in prayer, or setting aside time during the day to pray. Maybe you wrote out a list. You hadn't written it out before. You said, I'm gonna pray for these people to know Jesus. And you began to see the person God's calling you to be. And my question is, where is that today? See, this is what it means to live by our convictions. Because God, I, I know he's, he convicts me in service times. He'll speak to me. He'll say, Travis, this needs to change. You, you need to set aside time for prayer. You need to set aside time for this. And so my question is, a couple months removed, am I doing it? And see, it comes back to this. What needed to end for me to start doing that? What needed to begin? Maybe I needed to go to bed earlier so I could wake up in the morning. And, and so I could begin this prayer time. See, this is what it means. This is what it means. Last series, we talked about living a life on mission. We talked about intentionally connecting with people. We talked about intentionally praying for people. We talked about looking for ways to share the gospel with other people. And I know, if you're like me, you felt some conviction as we went through that series. Because we can get so busy and we can just get going through life. And it's not that we don't care, but we're swamped. 
It's, there's so much going on. So even though we care, we get into a habit of rarely witnessing and not being intentional about it. Not that we don't want to be. We do. And so maybe during that series, you wrote some people's names down. I'm going to pray for these people. Are we still praying? Are we still reaching out? Are we still being intentional with our coworkers? See, it's not just feeling conviction. Feeling conviction is good because that's God shining the light, but it's responding in obedience to conviction. And see, what this conviction does, the reason, I'll tell you, the reason I felt convicted during that series, can I be honest with you for a moment? Because I got down here, and you know, God called me down here, and there was a lot of good things going on in the church, and I got so busy, and you know, I, I just had a lot going on, and I realized I'd only invited a few people who don't go to church here to church since I got here. And I felt convicted. And so it's, am I gonna make, am I gonna make, ways for me to connect with people because it's real easy for me to go through a week and only see church people. So am I going to follow that conviction? If I am, what needs to end? What good thing that I'm doing needs to end so I have more time to begin the thing God's called me to do, which is to connect with people outside the church? And so how am I doing on that? How am I doing on that? Am I following through? And see, Gideon, he had to have courage in his convictions. Because the things he's changing, he, the things he was changing very well could have got him killed. The things that God's called me to change, they're not, none of them are going to get me killed at this point. But they are going to have to kill off certain parts of my life. You, you know, maybe last week, as we heard Pastor Brian's great message about dying out to sin and about dying out to self, I know he, the, the Holy Spirit was near last week, speaking to people, drawing us closer. And you know what? In, in a lot of ways, and in a good way, revealing things to us that maybe self, remember that picture he gave of the roots that got back planted in the ground? They'd been pulled up, but these roots, after the rain, they got replanted in the ground. These weeds sprouted up again. Maybe that has happened in my life. And so God, show, you know, God reveals that stuff to us but how have we responded this week in light of the message we heard on Sunday? See, Gideon responded by tearing the thing down, building a new altar up, and worshiping God, and having courage. And I'll tell you what, this was a first step for Gideon because Gideon was gonna need a whole lot more courage. If you know the rest of the story of Gideon, God takes him and they do beat off this, they, they do, they destroy, they beat him out of there, this, this Midian horde with 300 guys. Because God gave him courage that when I say something, it's gonna be what's best for you. Do it. And so, as we close and as Mark comes up to just kind of help us um, as, as we finish, I just wanted to give us an opportunity About, to res about responding to conviction we've already had. 
Maybe this morning God's put something new on your heart. Maybe, maybe he's saying, hey, right where you are, I'll meet you, and, and I, wanna, I wanna help you, I wanna work in your life, but maybe there's some conviction we've already had that you know what, we just, it wasn't like it was an int- intentional thing, but we let up on it. Maybe something God spoke to us a month ago, two months ago, six months ago, and, and we took some steps forward, but it's like now, I know God's called me to be this person, to be this man, to be this woman, but I'm just not there right now. I've taken some steps back, and you wanna respond today and say, Lord, I don't just wanna have convictions. I wanna have courage in my convictions. I wanna have courage to live them out. And let me tell you something great about the Lord is that when he shows us something, when he calls us to something, he enables us to do it. In fact, if Jesus has called you to do something, if God has revealed something in your life, that is the greatest proof that it can be accomplished. Because God won't call you to something that he won't help you finish. And so we're just gonna have a a prayer time and we're gonna gonna open up the altars. We're just gonna sing a song and and then we'll close. Um, So I want you to just feel free to come. I'm gonna pray and then they'll be open. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you that you don't give up on us. And Lord, we thank you that you reveal things to us. And Lord, I know even myself this morning, Lord, I feel that conviction because there's some things you've shown me, God, that I need to take some steps forward in. So God, I ask that you would help me. And Lord, help each one of us, Lord, is just in this time when we once again surrender all to you. We love you in Jesus' name.